Aptus Leadership Podcast 102. Man, we're making headway, and we always have good music to start our podcast. Last week, we started talking about the power of our language. Our words are going to create the world in which we lived in. We used Coach Prime, Deion Sanders, as an example as how he was going to Colorado in his first team meeting. He started using the same language over and over and over again. I'm coming, I'm coming, I'm coming, because he wanted to set the culture for that team. And he wanted to give them the vision intent from day one of what they were going to do. They were going to work hard because he was Coach Prime. He was coming in, and they were going to work hard. They were going to do more than everybody else, and they were going to accomplish something. And we said last week that perhaps one of the most precious gifts that God has given any of us is the ability to use our words. It's the ability to speak at a high level. That is one of the unique attributes that God has given man that separates him from every one of God's other creatures and creations. We also said last week that as a JFA staff, deacon board, leadership team, that we want to speak the same cultural language going into next year. And not only do we want to speak the same cultural language, but we want to speak the same language of vision intent. And so this week, I want to zone in just a little bit on the culture language, and then next week, we're going to look at vision intent. Now, when we start talking and looking at some of these massive companies and using them as an example... What you're going to see is that a lot of these companies develop a cult-like culture because of the language they use. I, I read a story a while back about Sam Walton. Uh, Sam was leading a meeting of 100,000 Walmart associates via a satellite TV link-up in the mid-'80s, which is kind of impressive to do that they could even accomplish that with the technology in the 80s. But he said this, quote, Now, I want you to raise your right hand and remember what we say at Walmart, that a promise we make is a promise we keep. And I want you to repeat after me, from this day forward, I solemnly promise and declare that every time a customer comes within 10 feet of me, I will smile, look him in the eyes and greet him. So help me, Sam. Wow. Now, when I read that, that's a little bit overboard. You know, Sam Walton making him basically swear oath and allegiance to him in his name that he was going to treat the customers right. And that might be a little bit overboard, but here's what Sam was wanting to do. He's wanting those associates to understand that customer service was a value It was going to be a cultural value, and as such, it was a priority as a Walmart associate. So it, you know, just to simplify that and to look at it, you know, you need to make eye contact. You you need to greet the customer. You need to smile when you see them. And if I do that, then I'm succeeding in my job as a Walmart associate. And let's be honest, that's a cultural value that's not difficult, but yet it makes a huge impact. Another interesting but lesser known example of this cultural language within an organization or company uh, is that of Nucor. Nucor is a steel company, and they built their entire system on the idea, this, this cultural value that you can teach farmers to make steel, but you cannot teach a farmer work ethic to people who don't have it in the first place. So instead of setting up steel mills in traditional steel towns like Pittsburgh and Gary, They located their plants in places like Crawfordsville, Indiana, and Norfolk, uh, Nebraska, and Plymouth, Utah. These are places where there were real farmers who go to bed early, and they rose at dawn, and they got right to work without any sort of fanfare. You know, this this idea, this mantra of farmers, you know, got to milk the cows and got to plow the North 40 before noon, easily translated 
translated into this idea of steel production. You know, we got to roll some sheet steel today and we got to cast 40 tons before lunch. And so Nucor ejected people who did not share that work ethic and they generated as high as a 50% turnover when they planted a new plant in a town in that first year. However, they had very low turnover after that because that culture started to, to bring the right people onto the bus and they were able to have a huge impact into the market. To, to attract and keep the best workers, Nucor actually paid its steel workers more than any other steel company in the world at the time. But it built that pay system on a high-pressure team bonus-based mechanism where over 50% of the workers' compensation was tied directly to the productivity of his work team of around 20 to 40 people. So Nucor team members would usually show up to work you know, 30 minutes early to arrange their tools and prepare to blast off the instant the, uh, the shift change happened. And one of the executives actually said this. He said, quote, we have the hardest working steel workers in the world. We, we hire five, work them like they're 10, and pay them like they're eight. So Nucor had this system, this cultural value that started translating into practical application. And it basically, it basically repelled the wrong people. They, they weren't trying to turn lazy people into hard workers. Rather, they wanted to create an environment where hardworking people would thrive and lazy workers would jump off and get out of town. They, they didn't want to stay on that team. In fact, there was in one account at a Nucor plant where it was the, the work ethic was so ingrained into the culture that that workers would actually chase off lazy uh, lazy workers right out of the plant with pieces of angle iron like the managers didn't have to do anything because the workers it was just part of their culture. So so what was Nucor doing to get those results? Well, they defined the culture they wanted. They wanted a farmer work ethic. They they wanted the cultural values then to lead to a system. And that system was we can teach a farmer to make steel, but we cannot teach a steel worker to have a farmer work ethic. So let's build our plants in farming communities. And that's the power of culture because they were able to define their culture. And because they were able to define it, they were able to tailor their systems to get the results that they need. You know, and what really ultimately happened was that Nucor was very, very successful at this. Nucor's direct competitor was Bethlehem Steel, which is a very successful steel company in their own right. However, if you invested $1 in Nucor, the return was twice that of Bethlehem Steel. So how do they get these amazing results? Because culture trumps strategy every single time. Nucor understood that. Sam Walton understand that. And we better understand that too. Culture is going to be the driver of our ministry. Culture is comprised of what you value and what you do that becomes who you are and who you are is ultimately the culture of your organization. And so, as I said last week, you know, we want to be people here that truly embody spiritual values where the word of God is our foundation because where the word speaks, God speaks. We, we want this worship, this fellowship with God that's void of any sort of performance. We want to be spirit led to be a blessing, not just in service, but in the marketplace and the community. We, we want this family dynamic where we welcome people to the family of God. We want to be identified identifying the next generation of believers, if that believer is five years old or 50 years old. Because biblically, a disciple of Jesus Christ has to have those five values. I would hope that when you attend church and you attend an event or you attend a worship service, what whatever, here you would see those spiritual values on display at JFA. I hope that when you look into my home, the Epperson home, that you would see these spiritual values embodied in my life and in my home. But I also want something beyond that. I want something for our leadership team where we have leadership values and we value certain principles. 
you know, I want us to value creativity. You know, we're in a rural context. We don't have endless resources. We need to be creative in how we do ministry. I want us to do everything with excellence. Just because we don't have the resources of some mega church doesn't mean that we can start cutting corners. I want our leadership team to have strength, mental, physical, spiritual toughness, toughness that's rooted in who Jesus Christ is and the power of the Holy Spirit in our life. I want us to have initiative. I want us to set the pace. I don't want us to sit back on our haunches waiting for somebody else to move, and then we follow. We need to take initiative. We need to be innovative. We need to be entrepreneurs in in the ministry field. And we also need to remember, perhaps most importantly, the setup. You know, someone is coming behind us, and so we need to set them up for success. This ain't about our success. This is about our legacy, and our legacy is who we're leaving behind. So I hope that you would see those qualities in my leadership. I hope that if you were around me long or you're around this team very long at all, that those qualities would start to manifest in our leadership team. And I don't want it just for our staff or our deacon or our leadership team. I want that for all of our volunteers. So we have to model it, and we have to celebrate it when we see it. Now, if we define those values and we embody those values, then we're going to have a healthy culture at JFA. And here's the deal. I don't want those, those values just displayed on a Sunday morning service. I want those values displayed in teenagers or kids, men or youth or sisterhood or coalition or anything we do. Those, those 10 values need to be embodied. Now, I know I talk about culture a lot. But it is proven that when an organization can identify their culture and embody that culture, then that organization thrives 100% of the time. So I want to share with you some reasons why this is so important. Why, Why do organizations thrive when they can identify, when they can embody and they can celebrate and model that culture? Well, there's, there's about three reasons I want to show you. The first is this, that cultural language brings organizational clarity. Cultural language brings organizational clarity. Let's go back to Newcore for a second. They were able to identify the culture. They want a farmer work ethic. That's what they were after. So that definition then brought clarity to what they needed to do. You, we, we know who we want. We know who we're after in, in a steel worker. And that clarity then refined the organizational process. Well, we want a farmer work ethic. So then we need to go put these plants in towns where there's a lot of farmers. So when we have our language right, when we, when we are able to define our culture, then that's going to bring some clarity to what it is that we're trying to do. And that clarity then can refine the process. Here's a practical example of how that works in ministry here. So I want us, uh, to, I want to use rather the, the media team as an example for this. We need a live stream of the Sunday morning services practically because the live stream is the front door of any church in 2023. Uh, and furthermore, the live stream is a blessing to those who can't be in attendance. I mean, it's a great resource that we need to leverage. But what does that live stream need to accomplish? What, here's a few things it needs to accomplish. Because we value, the, we value the family, the live stream needs to bring people into the family of God, even through that digital medium. We need to make them feel apart. So how have we done that here? Well, we have a morning show that airs before the service to connect with just the people who are watching online. It's something special just for them. We also value excellence here as a church. So when we're going to invest into this live stream, then we're going to invest a lot of time. We're going to invest a lot into learning. We're going to invest a lot into money. We're going to invest a lot into the team. We're going to invest a lot into the process and the equipment so that we can do this the best that we possibly can. Why? Because that's a cultural value we have. Let's use the kids' men as another example. We value fellowship with God that's void of performance. So in our worship service, we want to create moments for our kids to have an encounter with God and to learn what God wants to say to them. 
And indeed that God does hear their prayers and he does receive their worship. This happened for my son. My son had this moment in our kids' men where he experienced the presence of God for the first time and he knew God was, was hearing him. And as a dad, that means so much to me. I want that for all of our kids. You know, furthermore, we want our volunteers to take initiative. So we don't want them just to stand around, wait to be told to do something. We, we want them to see the needs, to have creativity on how to meet those needs and then jump in. So when we use the same cultural language across the board for all of our ministries, it brings clarity. When we use the same language, it will speed up the training process for volunteers because as they go from one department to another department, they know what's expected. When we use the same language, it will bring synergy to the ministries because they're heading in the same direction. When we use the same language, it is going to bring cultural unity. It's going to mean that there is some consistency across all of our ministries. And so when people visit their kids are experiencing the same thing as the adults. They're, the seniors are experiencing the same thing as the 30-year-old, and that's, that is going to create health within the church. The second thing, the second reason why cultural language is so important is that cultural language gets the wrong people off the bus. One of the main reasons why it's important to have our cultural language unified is that it will keep the wrong people from trying to get onto your leadership team. The facts are that God has a plan and a purpose for every single one of his followers. That There's no arguing that. There's no denying that. However, not every single follower of Jesus Christ will fit on your team. And you know what? That's okay because there has to be chemistry on a leadership team. And there are going to be some people that will not fit as team members onto your team. If you've ever traveled overseas, you know that cultural discrepancies can make everyone feel uncomfortable. Uh, if you've ever traveled to an Asian country and entered into a home with your shoes on, you know that you're going to create a problem. You can't go to a Muslim country with your bacon cheeseburger and not expect to get some pushback. Why? Because there is a cultural disconnect there, and it's offensive when you don't carry those cultural norms. So when you translate this into what leadership looks like, if you're a person who always takes initiative, then laziness is not something that you're going to be able to work with. Because you're going to be uncomfortable. And the team member who is lazy is also going to be uncomfortable. If you value mental toughness, then you're not going to be able to lead someone who values sharing their feelings every day and having emotional breakdowns in front of the people that are trying to lead. So this is not about right or wrong. It's just about finding the chemistry fit for your team. Because if you can't properly define your cultural values and give voice to those cultural values, then what's going to happen is that the wrong people are going to try to get onto your leadership bus, and you're going to find yourself constantly frustrated because there's no fit. And you know what else? They're also going to be frustrated because they know they don't fit onto that team. That doesn't mean that they're bad people. That doesn't mean that they're not called. That doesn't mean that they can't serve on a different team. It just means that it's not going to be a cultural fit for your team. And that is a reality. That is, that is something we have to be honest with ourselves about. Third thing, though, that I think we need to see on the exact opposite of that is that cultural language gets the right people on the bus. You know, as, uh, as a lot of you do know, I, I have this love for premium Bibles, and Corey Stevens has also developed that love. The other day, I had bought a new Bible, and I was actually using it to teach Deep Dive, and when Corey walked into the cafe, he looked over, and he saw my new Bible, and he yelled out, hey, that's a beautiful yap. Now, when he said, that's a beautiful yap, I thought, man, that's why we're friends. You probably have no idea what a yap even is. A yap is the overhang of the leather around the pages of the Bible. But because we both understood the culture of premium Bibles, we spoke the same language, and we thought that was fun. And that's exactly what happens. When, when people are speaking the same cultural language, it starts to bring the right people together. 
there, there was a gentleman who was a CEO of a large company and he was a Marine. And he said this quote, I used to be in the Marines and the Marines get a lot of credit for building people's values, but that's not the way it really works. The Marine Corps recruits people who share the Corps values, then provides them with the training required to accomplish the organization's mission. We look at it the same way here at my company. We have more people who want to do the right thing than most companies. We don't just look at experience. We want to know who they are. We want to know why they are. We want to find out who they are are by asking them why they made the decisions in their life that they made. Those answers to the questions give us an insight into their core values, end quote. And I think that's really good. What he's trying to do is say, do we speak the same language as these people? We, we don't want to try to teach someone a new language. We want to find people who speak the same cultural language that we speak. So when you use the same cultural language in your leadership, it will naturally draw people to you who speak the same language, and they will resonate with those same cultural values. And what this will result in is a stronger team for your ministry, and it will allow you to produce the results that you desire, that you feel God has called you to. Another advantage of speaking the same language is that the team will start to grow itself. Because the more people who speak the same language on your team, the more people that share those values will hear that language and will be drawn to your team. In other words, your cultural language will recruit for you. So I want to wrap it up with this. Cultural language is the road that your vision is going to ultimately travel on. Cultural language helps you make decisions. Cultural language helps you remember your vision. Cultural language is going to be the fuel for your team. And so you have to get this right. And I I want to leave you with a challenge. We want to speak the same cultural language this year at JFA. And here's what I know. You guys embody this cultural language. Otherwise, you wouldn't be on my team. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to memorize 10 words, 10 words, 10 words. Word, worship, spirit-led, family, next-gen, excellence, creativity, initiative, toughness, setup. If you remember those 10 words, then you're going to start speaking the same language. Those are the, those are the headlines of the leadership values here at JFA. You can adjust the subheadings for your own ministry. For example, in the youth ministry, the values of the church are going to go something like this. We, we value truth. Because where the word speaks, God speaks. We, we can adjust those cultural language. For example, in using yin, we're going to say tribe. We value the family of God. So we can adjust the subheadings, but we need to speak the same headlines, the same headlines. So learn to speak the same language of leadership. I hope that all of us can just start where we can rattle off those 10 words over and over again. Word, worship, spirit-led, family, next-gen, excellence, creativity, initiative, toughness, the setup. Because once you once you memorize those, you can refine those subheadings for your ministry. And I want to challenge you, look for every opportunity you can to ignite someone's calling with those 10 words. Allow those 10 words to guide your, your vision for your ministry. Allow those 10 words to help you know exactly what you need to do. Now, just as a personal encouragement, uh, kind of along the lines of last week, this same principle applies in your own homes. You know, what's going to be the culture of your home? What is the language you want of your home? How are you displaying your cultural words within your home to your kids, to your wife? At the end of the day, you have to remember you have naming rights. So don't be afraid to name the culture in your home and the same effects will happen there. God bless. Catch you next week.